0: This is the Bible in Wenya, day 295. Your most important task. Great leaders all have one thing in common. They know that acquiring and keeping good people is a leader's most important task, writes John Maxwell in his book, Developing the Leaders Around You. He urges his readers, find the best people you can, then develop them into the best leaders they can be. The Apostle Paul was condemned and in a dark, dank dungeon with just a hole in the ceiling for light and air. He was in chains like a criminal. He was lonely, bored and cold. Death was inevitable. According to tradition, he was condemned to die by beheading under Nero's persecution. This, to Timothy, is probably his last letter. Paul chose to write to an individual rather than to a church. Timothy was a leader whom Paul had found, trained and developed. Paul was probably in his 60s and Timothy in his early 30s. As Paul became aware that he was handing on the gospel to the next generation, his greatest concern was that Timothy should guard it. The older I get, the more I appreciate the wisdom of the generations before me and the more I realise the responsibility we all have to pass the baton on to the next generation. From Psalm 119 My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your
1: word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pits to trap me, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I am being persecuted without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your unfailing love preserve my life that I may obey the statutes of your mouth.
0: The Right Foundation for the Next Generation This psalm is both a personal reflection on life and also a resource produced by the psalmist to help others build their lives and leadership on the right foundation. In particular, he sets an example of faith in God's Word. I have put my hope in your Word. All your commands are trustworthy. I have not forsaken your precepts. Lord, help me to be faithful in spite of all the pitfalls and persecutions. Help me to do all I can to train up the next generation of leaders. New Testament from 2 Timothy 1 Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus
1: by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and, I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel and of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher that is why I am suffering as I am yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day what you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phrygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, He searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus.
0: The way to develop the next generation All of us can have spiritual children. Paul probably had no natural children, but he had spiritual children. He describes Timothy as my dear son. He led him to faith in the Lord. For 15 years, Timothy had been Paul's companion and had accompanied him on his second and third missionary journeys. Now, Timothy is in a position of leadership in Ephesus. Paul mentored, trained and discipled Timothy and passed wisdom onto him. He sets a model and example of how to develop the next generation of leaders. First, love them. The son I love so much is how Paul describes Timothy. Paul constantly thanked God for him. Paul was a passionate and emotional man. When people said goodbye to him, there were often tears of emotion. I miss you a lot, especially when I remember that last tearful goodbye and look forward to a joy-packed reunion. Second, pray for them. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Praying for other people is not a waste of time. It makes a difference. Intercessory prayer is an act of love. Third, believe in them. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul trusted Timothy with responsibility at a young age. The people who influence us are the people who believe in us. Fourth, minister to them. I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Previously, Paul had written, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. They may have prayed for him for the gift of evangelism or ordination to leadership in the church. It may have been to be filled with the Spirit and possibly to receive the gift of speaking in tongues or prophecy. We don't know exactly what it was, but it shows the importance of prayer ministry. That's why we lay our hands on people, for example, in the ministry time at the end of practically every church service at HDB. Fifth, encourage them. Timothy needed encouragement. Encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. Timothy was young. He had physical weaknesses, frequent illnesses and he was probably a shy and introverted character. Paul writes, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. We are not cowards if we feel afraid. In fact, there can be no courage unless you are scared. Courage is doing what you are afraid to do and not allowing fear to rule your decisions. To overcome your fears, God has equipped you with the Holy Spirit and with power power love, and self-discipline. Sixth, challenge them. Paul urged Timothy to stir up, to fan into flames the gift he had been given. Other people can help you, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for your own spiritual development. Stir yourself up. Fan the flames of your faith through worship, prayer, Bible reading, community, or whatever it takes. Seventh, trust them. God, the good deposit that was entrusted to you. The good deposit is the gospel of which Paul has been appointed a herald, apostle and teacher. The gospel is all about Jesus, our Lord. It's about a relationship with him. I know whom I have believed. We have been saved by grace, not because of anything we've done. Jesus, our Savior, through the cross and resurrection, destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. Paul urged Timothy not to be ashamed of their friendship, nor to be ashamed to testify about the Lord. They had the gospel to proclaim and to guard. Paul was confident that he had chosen the right person to pass it on to the next generation with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Eight, share with them. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. Even though Paul served God with a clear conscience, he did not escape suffering. He was in chains. He'd been badly let down by other Christians. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Yet one person stood out. Don't run away from those who are suffering, but be like loyal Onesiphorus, who, Paul says, often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Lord, help me to pass on the baton to the next generation, to pray for them, love them, believe in them, minister to them, encourage them, entrust them, and share with them. Old Testament from Jeremiah 48 and 49 Concerning Moab This is what the Lord Almighty,
1: the God of Israel, says, Woe to Nebo! for it will be ruined. Kiriathaim will be disgraced and captured. The stronghold will be disgraced and shattered. Moab will be praised no more. In Hezbon, people will plot her downfall. Come, let us put an end to that nation. You, the people of Madman, will also be silenced. The sword will pursue you. Cries of anguish arise from Horonaim. Cries of great havoc and destruction, Moab will be broken, her little ones will cry out. They go up the hill to Luhith, weeping bitterly as they go. On the road down to Horonaim, anguished cries over the destruction are heard. Flee, run for your lives, become like a bush in the desert. Since you trust in your deeds and riches, you too will be taken captive, and Chemosh will go into exile, together with his priests and officials. The destroyer will come against every town, and not a town will escape. The valley will be ruined and the plateau destroyed, because the Lord has spoken. Put salt on Moab, for she will be laid waste. Her towns will become desolate, with no one to live in them. A curse on anyone who is lax in doing the Lord's work. A curse on anyone who keeps their sword from bloodshed. Moab has been at rest from youth, like wine left on its dregs, not poured from one jar to another. She has not gone into exile. So she tastes as she did, and her aroma is unchanged. But days are coming, declares the Lord when I will send men who pour from pitches, and they will pour her out. They will empty her pitches and smash her jars. Then Moab will be ashamed of Chemosh, as Israel was ashamed when they trusted in Bethel. How can you say, we are warriors, men, valiant in battle? Moab will be destroyed and her towns invaded. Her finest young men will go down in the slaughter, declares the king whose name is the Lord Almighty. The fall of Moab is at hand. Her calamity will come quickly. Mourn for her, all who live around her, all who know her fame. Say, how broken is the mighty scepter, how broken the glorious staff. Come down from your glory and sit on the parched ground, you inhabitants of daughter Dibon for the one who destroys Moab will come against you and ruin your fortified cities. Stand by the road and watch, you who live in Aroa. Ask the man fleeing and the woman escaping, ask them what has happened. Moab is disgraced, for she is shattered. Wail and cry out. Announce by the Arnon that Moab is destroyed. Judgment has come to the plateau, to Holon. Jaza, and Mafeah to Dibon, Nebo and beth to Kirjathaeum, beth Gamel and Beth-meon, to Kirioth and Bozrah, to all the towns of Moab, far and near. Moab's horn is cut off, her arm is broken, declares the Lord. Make her drunk, for she has defied the Lord. Let Moab wallow in her vomit. Let her be an object of ridicule. Was not Israel the object of your ridicule? Was she caught among thieves that you shake your head in scorn whenever you speak of her? Abandon your towns and dwell among the rocks, you who live in Moab. Be like a dove that makes its nest at the mouth of a cave. We have heard of Moab's pride. How great is her arrogance, of her insolence, her pride, her conceit, and the haughtiness of her heart. I know her insolence, but it is futile, declares the Lord, and her boasts accomplish nothing. Therefore, I will wail over Moab. For all Moab I cry out. I moan for the people of ker I weep for you as Jazer weeps, you vines of Sibmah. Your branches spread as far as the sea. They reached as far as Jazer. The destroyer has fallen on your ripened fruit and grapes. Joy and gladness are gone from the orchards and fields of Moab. I have stopped the flow of wine from the presses. No one treads them with shouts of joy. Although there are shouts, they are not shouts of joy. The sound of their cry rises from Hezbond to Eliela and Jehaz, from Zoar as far as Horonaim and Eglath-Shelishiah, for even the waters of Nimrin are dried up. In Moab I will put an end to those who make offerings on the high places and burn incense to their gods, declares the Lord. So my heart laments for Moab like the music of a pipe. It laments like a pipe for the people of Ker-Hariseth. The wealth they acquired is gone. Every head is shaved and every beard cut off. Every hand is slashed and every waist is covered with sackcloth. On all the roofs in Moab and in the public squares there is nothing but mourning, for I have broken Moab like a jar that no one wants, declares the Lord. How shattered she is! How they wail! How Moab turns her back in shame! Moab has become an object of ridicule, an object of horror to all those around her. This is what the Lord says. Look, an eagle is swooping down, spreading its wings over Moab. Kirioth will be captured and the strongholds taken. In that day the hearts of Moab's warriors will be like the heart of a woman in labor. Moab will be destroyed as a nation because she defied the Lord. Terror and pit and snare await you, you people of Moab, declares the Lord. Whoever flees from the terror will fall into a pit. Whoever climbs out of the pit will be caught in a snare. For I will bring on Moab the year of her punishment, declares the Lord. In the shadow of Hezbon, The fugitives stand helpless, for a fire has gone out from Hezbon, a blaze from the midst of Sihon. It burns the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of the noisy boasters. Woe to you, Moab! The people of Chemosh are destroyed. Your sons are taken into exile and your daughters into captivity. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in days to come, declares the Lord. Here ends the judgment on Moab. Jeremiah chapter 49 Concerning the Ammonites, this is what the Lord says, Has Israel no sons? Has Israel no heir? Why then has Molech taken possession of God? Why do his people live in its towns? But the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sound the battle cry against Rabba of the Ammonites. It will become a mound of ruins, and its surrounding villages will be set on fire. Then Israel will drive out those who drove her out, says the Lord. Wail, Heshbon, for A is destroyed. Cry out, you inhabitants of Rabba. Put on sackcloth and mourn. Rush here and there inside the walls. For Molech will go into exile, together with his priests and officials. Why do you boast of your valleys, boast of your valleys so fruitful? Unfaithful daughter Ammon, you trust in your riches and say, Who will attack me? I will bring terror on you from all those around you, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Every one of you will be driven away, and no one will be will gather the fugitives yet afterwards i will restore the fortunes of the
0: ammonites
1: declares the lord
0: the importance of developing the next generation one of the problems highlighted again and again in jeremiah is the weakness and wickedness of the people's leaders Here we see the awful consequences of how wrong things can go without the right leadership. Doesn't Israel have any children? No one to step into her inheritance? The inheritance was open, but there was no one who grew into it. The antithesis of God's way of leadership is pride and arrogance. The great sins of Moab, the extremely proud one, his loftiness, his arrogance, his conceit, and the haughtiness of his heart. Pride and independence are often regarded as good qualities by the world. But they are a great sin in the eyes of the Lord because they lead us away from him. Pride and independence say, I don't need you. Proclaiming judgment against Moab and Ammon, Jeremiah says a curse on those who are lax in doing the Lord's work. Moab has always taken it easy, lazy as a dog in the sun, never had to work for a living, never faced any trouble, never had to grow up, never once worked up a sweat, hard work is more important than innate talent. As Thomas Edison famously said, genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Developing the next generation will involve hard work. There is an important principle. We should apply the same standard to the Lord's work as we do, for example, to our secular jobs, provided we're committed to them. In most secular jobs, there is a requirement of 100% efficiency and commitment, I'm always so impressed by our volunteers who turn up with such regularity, love and commitment. It's amazing to see their dedication year after year. For many, it's a lifelong commitment to service. Lord, may I never be lax in doing your work. May our generation be a generation that guards the gospel, develops leaders and passes it on to the next generation.
1: adds. To Timothy 1 verse 5, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and they, through their prayers and example, passed on their faith to Timothy. And we read all about Timothy in this book. It's wonderful to see faith
0: being passed down three generations. Well done, Lois.